What's a planetarium, though, real quick? Is it about planets? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Allie, we'll discuss that in episode 38. Well, let's get episode 37 started now. All right. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Oh, Here's a Little Marketing for You. I'm Ellie Hicks. I'm Ellen Cernko. And I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> moving past while John, while John has a breakdown over there. Um, where are we? So last Bill uh, Nye is that more up your guys' speed? <laughs> yeah, we do I know Bill Nye. Nye. Yeah, we like All Bill right. Nye. All right. He's who taught me science. Well, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the new person in science. So, oh, although he's very old, so it's all right. It's all right. It's not like I said Einstein. You guys like who? You know, he's famous, but he's not like everyone knows who he is famous. Every, oh, okay. A lot of people know who he is. He's quite famous. Yeah, I feel like most people know who he is. Should. You know but who most, this person is, Ellie, but you don't know what a planetarium is? Yeah, I was, that's what I was just about to say. Like, you know, I guess I should know what a planetarium is. And I probably do. I think I just, I don't know. I don't use it. I referenced him because he did the voiceover at the last planetarium that I went to for the oh, big okay. show. Cute. So, he's an astrophysicist. All right. Anyway, guys, you guys are getting way off topic again. That's Has what nothing do. to do with me. Um, all right. I'm sure Neil so deGrasse last... Tyson has a marketing John. Department. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, this no. is a disaster already. <laughs> well, we're two minutes in, so we got this. All right. Take five. Can you hear my fan when I turn it on? No. No. I can see your hair okay, blowing good. like a. Uh, I was gonna say like a shampoo. Com- I was trying to come up with a fancy it shampoo, is... like a Pert Plus commercial. Can you hear it now. <laughs> No. I can actually hear it a little, I think. <laughs> but not bad. Like, very minimal. Okay, we're going to turn it back down. Okay, oh, Ellie, freezing. I'm ready. Okay. Um, all right. So, in the last episode, we started talking about um, how to utilize your website throughout the customer buying cycle. And we're going to continue that conversation today. Uh, we only got through um, the first two steps, I guess, or the first two uh, portions of the customer buying cycle. Um, So just to recap, we talked about last time awareness and consideration. Ellen, do you want to give us a little breeze through of what we talked about in the last episode? For sure. So basically what Ellie said, we went over um, the first two steps of the buying cycle, which that full cycle is awareness, consideration, intent, purchase, and repurchase. And you may see like some variation depending on like which graph you're looking at or like what resource you're using. Um, But overall. Sorry, am I distracting you? I realized there was an enormous amount of cat fur on on my mic. (laughs) There is mine too because Lola likes to rub up against my mic. So I have that too on mine. I made the mistake of putting it on like the the ground shelf and apparently Oscar has taken kindly to it. So sorry. Sorry for distracting everyone again. It's okay. Let's go turn my mic off. Um, So there may be some variations depending on like what resource you're looking at, but basically that is the buying process for most customers across the board, depending like no matter what industry you're, you're working in. Um, And so we talked about all the different ways that you could utilize your website for awareness and consideration, which I feel like are the two stages that people typically experience um, using a website Um, across industries, but we want to talk about today other ways that you can use your website in the other um, steps of the buying process as well, because your website doesn't just have to be um, a really great 
uh, like pamphlet for your business. It can be much more than that um, if you are starting with a really strong foundation for your site. Um, so just a few things that we talked about last time is using your site for, you know, like a digital ad landing campaign, um, digital ad campaign landing page, uh, um, blog topics that answer questions, um, product and service explanation pages, um, creating opportunities for connection through social media links, dynamic contact forms, phone numbers, um, and then creating valuable links between related products and services pages, blogs, all that fun stuff, along with quite a few other things. So I recommend go checking out part one if you haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, it was very good if I can remember back that far. <laughs> it's been a minute. It has been a while in between recording riveting. these two episodes. It was a pretty good one, though, I think. I think we had some good discussion. Um, but yeah, and so now today we're going to talk about those um, later steps of the uh, buying cycle. So intent, purchase, and repurchase. So this is the time when people are actually, they're ready to buy. They're, they've maybe even, you know, chosen the company they want to go with or the brand and they're ready to make a purchase um, or they still are kind of determining maybe they're like comparing they're between a couple of different companies a couple of different brands or products um, so but they're ready to make this purchase they know what they want um, and they just need a good place to do that so um, that first step that we're going to talk about today is intent um, so in this stage, a salesperson aims to earn the trust of a potential customer, um, whether you tap them emotionally or logically, this is the time where a salesperson convinces the potential buyer that their product is the best solution for their needs. Uh, and there's a few ways, a few great ways um, that I th- I'm sure we've talked about in past episodes that you can accomplish this. Um, one of my favorite uh, that we talk about a lot are testimonials. Um, testimonials and reviews are just a great way to instill trust in your uh, potential customers and just show that you have a great product, you have a great team, um, whatever it might be, that you are a trustworthy company and that your product will get the job done. Um, and when we're talking about your website and testimonials, um, I really liked, I forget who we were talking to, but Ellen, I think it was Ellen was talking, you were talking about testimonials and like different steps of effectiveness. So like the best testimonial is going to be a video testimonial. If you can't get a video, then a written testimonial with like a full name and um, maybe even if it's relevant, like a title of a person, if it's, if, if you're a B2B business, um, and then it kind of like diminishes credibility from there. So if it's just a testimonial with like, oh, this is a great company from John Y or from John. It's like that sounds, that starts to sound a little bit less credible than if you were to say like John Young, CEO of Shout It Out Design. Or CIEIO, which is a more fun title. It is. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Something else to keep in mind with testimonials is that a lot of it is how you present the information online. Um, So we have some clients that like they'll get a testimonial from one of their customers and it's like, paragraphs long. Um, Nobody's going to read that testimonial. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to tell you. Um, But what you may be able to do is take those paragraphs and um, find the key phrases that are really impactful and utilize those in different parts of your website. Um, So what's great about testimonials is that like you have a lot of different ways you can, you can incorporate them into 
your buying process and across your website. So like you could have a slider um, on a few key pages that just pull out like a phrase or a sentence. Um, you could have like a dedicated like testimonials page that does go into those like longer paragraphs um, explaining it more. Um, and then you can also incorporate testimonials into like case studies or success stories, um, really giving credibility. So it's not just me saying we were successful on this job. It's also, you know, the end client saying, yes, they were successful on this job. Um, but yeah, testimonials are great. And I feel like sometimes it's difficult for people to ask for them because, um, like, especially as a small business owner, like you just, like, you don't want to bother anybody. You don't want to, um, you know, come across as too pushy. But um, I actually wrote a blog post a really long time ago for the Shout Out Design <laughs> website about asking for testimonials. Um, so if you have questions about how to ask, my first piece of, of advice is just ask. The worst they can do is say no. <laughs> um, but once you start asking, it makes it easier and easier to ask in the future. And we did, uh, one of our previous podcast episodes was all about asking for testimonials and reviews so one the importance of doing so and then two just different ways that you can go about generating those testimonials and reviews so again if that's something that you want to get more into check out some of those previous episodes i think the um the amount of this stuff and then like the length of the testimonials that you were talking about ellen really depends on what you're selling you know if you're Mm -hmm. selling uh financial planning or you're selling um Oh, long-term marketing contract with some company. Like you probably want a lot of information. You want a lot of testimonials. You want them in, in depth. You know, when we're, we're buying things on Amazon, if it's just like a you know a hair clip, I just need to see the stars. Is it you know close to five or you know four and a half or up? That's fine. But if I'm buying like a, a snowblower for nine hundred dollars, like I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read a lot of testimonials from other people. And if they leave paragraphs, I'm probably gonna read some of those, good and bad. So it kind of depends on the probably the price point and then the, the the length of relationship that you intend to have with this this client or conversely from the customer side, how that long they can have this relationship with you to how how much you have to spend time on building these of your on your site. And when you're thinking about that just brought up a good point. When you're thinking about what's important to have or to showcase in a testimonial, think about your product or what they're reviewing. Um, because like snowblower, you want to know like what's the long longevity of that? Like how long is that going to last me? Am I going to get through one season and it's going to break? Um, that's then I don't want to spend that much money. (laughs) Yeah. Then you shouldn't buy that one maybe. Or like Mm. if it's a product that you are wearing, like some kind of clothing item, like how does that fit? Does it run big, true to size, small? Does it shrink in the wash? Like what's the material like? Those are the types of things that new customers are going to be looking for. So the more you can showcase those those popular topics that about your product, the better. Um, so you can answer those questions really easily in terms like, or by showing what your current customers experiences. So, and if it is a product and you're asking for a testimonial, um, like it should just be standard practice as well. Just to say this, like upfront to ask for pictures of that product as well. Um, especially like if it's like an installation service, um, like we work with a company that like they um, clean and seal, um, like concrete or they like install epoxy floors. Um, if I'm looking to have that done, I really don't care if I see reviews that don't have pictures to go with it to see, say that it was like actually done well. 
Um, mm-hmm. So really make sure that you incorporate imagery as well if you're like showing off an actual product or like a service that has like a very distinct before and after. Yeah, I know as a, a customer, like I'm looking for examples. I'm looking for actual visuals of what that looks like. And to take it one step further, like if we go to a website, so for instance, if I'm looking for epoxy flooring, that company can pick out all of their best professionally done photography to showcase on their website. But what's really powerful is seeing an image that a customer has taken and uploaded with their testimonial that is like from their perspective. I think Mm -hmm. that shows off because that's not something that like we staged and, and had the best lighting and a professional camera take that picture of that installation. You're seeing real life what that customer is seeing and they are happy with it so that is Mm -hmm. just another really strong like that's the importance of having the imagery along with the review or testimonial that's why i really like Um, amazon's in particular because like you can not only see pictures that people upload of products that have been used depending on like how the longevity of whatever product but you can also see um if that person actually bought that product so there'll still Mm -hmm. be fakes out there but there's probably less fakes within those threads because they it's tied to your account so they can see whether you bought it or not or whether you returned it or not. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not all fakes at least. Uh, one more thing on testimonials and pictures. Um, please try to like explicitly ask before you utilize that information um, in your marketing. Um, so like shout out all design within our um, contract. It says like, Hey, we can use your, um, your project as like as a case study or a success story and they agree to that um but like i'm not gonna go and then make up what like i'm not gonna take whatever they say in like their kickoff meeting of like yeah this is a really great company to work for i'm not gonna say so and so said this um if you know i'm gonna quote them i'm gonna explicitly ask for for their permission to do so um preferably in a written format. I've sent clients like options before of like, how would you like your name listed? How would you like your company listed? All that fun stuff. Um, It's just always, Mm -hmm. I think, better to be like on the side of caution and like be respectful with people's um, digital presence, um, especially when it's not yours, um, than to, you know, have to ask for forgiveness because you can't, you can't take it back once it's on the internet. It's a life lesson. It is. Life lessons from Ellen. I'm trying really hard to stay the same distance from the microphone, but my back is slowly giving out. So I'm just warning you both. Just be, if you lean back, just be louder. Yeah. Or just bring the mic with you. Yeah. Just somehow. I don't want to move it. Scoot your chair in. (laughs) (laughs) Face is closer. You're you're pregnant. Ellie, that would make too much sense. Yeah, I know. Listen, there's no space anymore. (laughs) I've had too many good solutions today. I should back off. I know. Um, Ellen, so you mentioned case studies and success stories a couple of times. And again, I just want to point those out specifically Um, with the example of us even. So like the way we work, like our product is not one size fits all. We are not just one product. And even with one product of ours, it doesn't look the same across all of our clients. So like if somebody, if we're talking website design, One client's website design is not going to look or be the exact same as another client's. Um, They might need different things. One might be e-commerce. They're different uh, industries, whatever it might be. So if you're able to showcase those in case studies or success stories, somebody that's looking 
who has the intent to purchase and they're looking at you to work with, they can flip through your portfolio and look through um, these success stories and find something that fits them specifically. And if they're able to do that and they're able to see, oh, wow, that's my problem. And they were able to solve that problem by doing this, this, and this for that client. So that's going to make them a great fit for me. And then, so that's the benefit of having those on your website. And then, like you said, Ellen, if you throw in a, a, a testimonial on that case study page, even if it's if it's like a video, that would be amazing. A vi- just a short video testimonial from that client, kind of just reaffirming what you just said about them and saying like, yes, they solved this issue. We have this great product. We have this great website um, and my clients are happy with it. Then that there's nothing more powerful than that. I think you've probably won them over at that point. So those are really great to have. Agreed. Agree. Okay. 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 And the last thing that we should bring up here for intent, uh, because we're talking about gaining trust and just trying to get people on board with you, is a meet the team page or to have a little bit about your agency or your company, your product, just so people can learn more about you. Um, People connect with people and they want to work with people that they like. They want to work with good people. Um, And having a meet the team page specifically, wow, my teeth just whistled so loud and I hate when that happens. Um, But having a meet the team page specifically, it allows you to put a face with the name of the company. Um, And we've talked about this, like if it's important to have a meet the team page and who you should have on that meet the team page, depending on how big or small your company is. But it's just really nice to be able to see who it is that you're purchasing from or who it is that you're going to potentially be working with and learn about that person and learn about their background or whatever information that you want to have that's going to be relevant to what you're selling. I think the meet the team page is especially important to um, when you are providing a service um, that will take place at somebody's home. Mm, Um, So like, Tim and I are looking into like a monthly cleaning service for while I'm on maternity leave. And I decided to reach out to the company that I did because they had all of their employees listed on the website with a picture and just like a short description about each of them. Um, And if I'm going to trust a company to like come into my home when I'm not home to clean my home, I want to know who's going to show up at my front door. Um, So really consider like, what the services that you provide or what the products are that you provide because the meet the team could really make or break the difference between um, if somebody calls you or not. For sure. I also agree with that. Good, good. <laughs> good, good. Good, good. Um, okay, so yeah, that's uh, that kind of wraps up the uh, intent stage here. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on that? Nope. I think we covered it all. Awesome. Um, well, so then you're going to move into purchase and repurchase, which is going to be just like the the best part maybe of the buying cycle because this means somebody's ready to actually purchase and they're giving you their money. So when you're ter- talking about purchasing in a website, obviously the best way you can do this is have your product available to purchase on your website. Um, this is only going to make sense for, you know, it's not going to make sense for everybody to be able to purchase something on your website, but um, I, I you can even have, whether it's purchasing a product, purchasing a service or whatever it might be, it might even just be where you have a platform to schedule. If it's like 
um, like a spa or whatever. Look, I've got like massages on the brain. I really want a massage. Um, <laughs> if, it, if it's a massage service, I, I want to go online and be able to schedule online so I don't have to talk to a human being because that's who I am as a person. Um, but just having that that ease of having that available right there at the click of a button um, and also it being secure. So that's another important aspect of this. Um, and I just like jumped way ahead without even like looking at notes here, but um, so I wanted to find this because Ellen has always done a really good job of like defining different stages and everything. So the purchase stage of the buying cycle at this point, your customer is ready to purchase the solution for their needs. While your customer is in this stage, you need to ensure that your pricing is reasonable and that you make the buying process as simple as possible. Um, so again, um, e-commerce situations where somebody can actually purchase a product, um, event registration, appointments or service scheduling, um, and then you have like clear and repetitive opportunities for next steps. If we can really highlight simplicity for a second, um, mm-hmm. a simple e-commerce process is important for a few reasons. One, we're human beings, so we have really short attention spans, Um But I think more important, especially in 2023, is that there's a lot of um, distrust around like buying products online specifically. Um, And if there's like a convoluted process to buying that product, then that puts even more distrust in the process. Um, So I would just say like 99% of the time, I'm going to say, go with whatever design you want for your website. Make sure that it really like stands out, shows off the personality of your brand, like all that fun stuff. If you are looking to have e-commerce on your website, particularly for products, do not reinvent the wheel. Look to the successful e-commerce websites. Recognize that you're not going to be able to completely recreate Amazon, Um, but look at the way that they have simplified the process and take those key, um, points from them. So, you know, like good, uh, product pictures, good product descriptions, easy clicks to be able to see different options and then to put it in your cart and easy options to pay. Um, so if you're looking for how to do that, like I said, you don't need to reinvent the wheel and simplicity is key. Like there are already people that have done this successfully, Um, so look to those examples when you're getting started with e-commerce. Yeah, I think, um, e-commerce, um, you can be really complicated with it because you want to integrate with your email list and you want them to, oh, did you see this, that people also buy this, but depending on what you're selling, like it's probably better to get a sale now versus like possibly a bigger sale later. So Mm -hmm. if, if you sell a product or a service that other people in your area also have at a similar price, like give them just easy access just to buy that one thing. Then uh, mm-hmm. don't don't make you know don't try to do like bubble gum at the um, at the grocery store where you're walking through like oh yeah I also need this and also need this because you might add a couple things and you look at your checkout and it's like five hundred dollars when you just anticipated spending like two hundred dollars. Like, well shoot I'm not going to buy any of this now and then you forget and never come back. So yeah. um, make it make it simple even if it's. Um, if you've got something that's like three products on your site, you could just even have like one click purchase. Just like click, goes to the checkout. All you need to do is enter your name and credit card information. Boop, done. Like two clicks, purchase. Um, you know, we've created some e-commerce sites here recently where uh, you add something and it gets added to like a cart and it kind of slides in from the right side of the screen. 
which I think is real slick. So it stays on the page. So if you need to add something else from that page, you can. You can also see your whole checkout as it uh, as it stands, and then you can click the button, goes to checkout, and it's all, all done. So I, I agree. Make it make it simple. Um, but Ellie, to your other point of like purchase, like this might not pertain to all businesses. Like thinking about Youngs, for example, you know, purchase and or decision, I'd put in the same kind of category. Like if we're yeah. putting something on our site where the call to action is come to the Easter egg hunt next Easter or next Sunday, like that is that's the action. So mm-hmm. like I can't quantify that as the website directed in there, but that's that's another topic for another day. But like that is the action. So uh, you just want to get people to. Um, make that decision as easily as you can with your website. So not have a bunch of steps. If you want to make it complicated, like we have our contact form be super complicated. That's because we don't want people just price price hunting. Um, so, but if you're not like us, which most of you aren't, uh, you probably you probably want to just, you, you get all the leads you want. We just we don't. We just want the good ones. So <laughs> you don't fill out our form. We don't want you. Um, uh, yeah, just thought with e-commerce. Well, a quick uh, example here, we've talked about not making the process um, difficult. We've talked about um, making things just like very easy and straightforward and also like pricing. Um, It's really funny because I didn't even really realize that this was going to coincide. But the story I was telling you guys before we started recording, where my cousin and I just got like really scammed out of some Yeti uh, cups and coolers and things. (laughs) Um, The whole time I knew that this was probably a bad idea. I might be a bad person though, because like I didn't necessarily put a stop to it because I wasn't the one putting my credit card on the line for this stuff. And I was like, well, if this actually works out, this is going to be great. Cause we were getting a Yeti cup for like 10 bucks. Um, so you did not though. We did not. We got our you money back from PayPal. I didn't get a cup for 10 bucks. Oh, that cup was not 10 bucks. Oh, I thought you said 10 bucks. Well, the one we ordered was that we never received oh. because it was a scam. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, stay with me here. Okay, sorry. Okay, so the first thing that was bad was on this website. And again, I should have just known, but I was on this website and all of their products, you couldn't like filter their products. There was no order and there was just a ton of stuff. So it would be like you would scroll past a Yeti cup in one color and then like the next, like you'd scroll through a different, like a bunch of different other products. And then the next page, it would be the same Yeti cup in a different color. And if you clicked on one, there weren't the color options right there to make it easy for you to choose a color. Everything was just so, I mean, there were pages and pages and again, no order, no way to filter. Nothing was easy about this. The pricing was really sketchy again, because we know like a Yeti cup is going to be like $40 and this was like nine And so I was like, wow, this is definitely too good to be true, but let's do it anyway. Um, And then when she went to check out, I didn't actually do the checkout process. When she went to check out, she was like, I'm having trouble. Like there's all kinds of weird steps. And like, it just seems weird. It doesn't seem very legit. And I'm having trouble. And I was like, do it anyway. (laughs) Um, So anyway, yes, that. All of those things where I was like, this seems sketchy, this seems sketchy, I hate this, this is a terrible process, but we just really wanted those Yeti products for really cheap. Um, that is not, all of those things are not good. So it makes you look not trustworthy, not trustworthy. it makes people not want to buy your product unless you're me. Um, and end of that, into that story, we did get our money back through PayPal, so all is well in the world. Good for you. I was going to say, I did the same exact thing uh, a couple months ago. We have... Um Nest as our security system. 
and they've got little magnets that you can put on your windows. So when you open a window, it, it chimes or if a window's mm. not shut, it won't set the alarm and it lets you know like, Hey, this window shut. Obviously if someone breaks the window, it picks up on that. Well, they discontinued those. So we can't get them. And we only got them for six of our windows. I think out of like 20, I wasn't going to buy another 14, but I was looking to buy at least a couple more. And so I, I Googled, I Amazon, I couldn't find them. And then I, I found this one website that had, had, uh, like seven in stock is what it said. And I was like, Hmm. And it was a little bit, it was not quite twice as much as it was when I bought it through Google, but it, uh, wasn't, it was like, I think they were normally like 35 bucks and I think it was like 60 or something like that. So almost twice as much, but I was like, well, it's discontinued. This dude probably got in before they sold out. I'll bite mm-hmm. the bullet. Well, when I went to check out, I tried to get all six in one transaction. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll just buy what buy what, buy what he has and then move on. It wouldn't let me buy all six. It said, well, you can only – has to be under $100, I think, for each transaction. I was like – Sketchy. All right. So I was like I bought – so I bought two in three different transactions uh, all using <laughs> PayPal. And I was like, well, this is a pain in the butt. But you know, the website looked like e-commerce but like e-commerce not great. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I think what you were describing, Ellie. And so I was like, well, whatever. So – uh, turns out months later, I did not get any of the product and, mm-hmm. uh, somehow he was able to forge shipping receipts. So like when I went to PayPal to get my money back, they're like, well, it says it was delivered. And I said, there were three, it was all shipped to USPS and it was all delivered on the same day, but at three different times. And I tried to explain to PayPal, my post service does not stop by my house three different times. Three on different the same times. Day. So clearly this is not right. And I was like, well, it shows as delivered, so we can't do anything about it. Well, I ended up getting a refund for one of the three, but I'm still out, you know, 150, 180 bucks or something like that. Wow, that sucks. Lesson learned. If it looks if it looks crappy, it probably is crappy. Yeah, yeah. And we only let ours go for like a week or two before we got nervous and we were just like, Yeah, cancel it. Get your money back through PayPal. So Yeah. Well, PayPal was not helpful for me, so I will not be using them in future endeavors if I can. Yeah. I feel you. I remembered what I was going to say about purchases or about um, online or e-commerce as well. Um, So e-commerce obviously is a great automation tool. One thing we always say when we're talking about automating a process is make sure that you have the manual process figured out first. Um, So particularly if you are selling products um, online that you are also selling in like a physical store, um, make sure you have your process for tracking that inventory in the physical store really figured out well, and then a process um, for keeping track of what's sold online um, figured out as well. Um, because what you don't want to do is end up selling things online that you don't have. Um, that would be sad. Um, and you don't want to create more of a headache for um, your team as well. So if you already have the process ironed out, um, and you just have to tell them like, hey, this is what we're going to do to make sure we keep track of everything. It's going to make everyone's lives easier. Keep that in mind. Yeah. And kind of same with services. Like if you're scheduled, like if you like have like a walk-in service, um, like like if you are like a med spa or like a like a hairstylist or something and you take walk-ins, um, but you also offer scheduling online, um, you know, if somebody walks in at 1230, then online, it should say there's no longer anything available at 1230. Um, so you don't have somebody think that they can still walk in and, you know, also be served at that time. I would bet most of those are like, you can't book a time within so much time of like, like if 
you can't book a 12:30 time at 12:15. Uh, yeah. Well, I think but. sometimes what happens is that like people will have like one tool that they use in the store and then a different tool that they use mm, like okay. through their website. Um, so make sure that either you're using the same tool or that the, that all of your tools are able to talk to one another. Yeah, especially because like in that example you just gave Ellen, like vice versa, you don't want like if you made an appointment for 1230 and the hairstylist is looking at a different tool and they don't realize that you scheduled something for 1230 and somebody walks in and takes that walk in when you mm-hmm. scheduled online. It's just really important. Yeah. In that same regard of like keeping your inventory correct, it's important to keep your scheduling correct like that so that you don't have any overlap or any issues with scheduling versus walk-ins. Like, for example, I have a special link to John's calendar that pulls in from all 12 of his different calendars so that I know if he's actually available for a meeting or not. I'm an important guy. I have meetings in lots of different places. No, it's perfect. It's great. It's that way. Like, we have significantly cut down on, like, situations where you're like, oh, wait, I actually have something going on then. Um, So it's great. Just make sure that you know how to streamline all your information or partner with a company that can help you streamline your information, like shout out design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, anywho. Um, so, so with all of this and you've kind of already touched on calls to action and everything, but make sure that they're, are opportunities throughout your website for these next steps. And again, John, I like your example of like, you want people to come out to the Easter egg hunt. Um, That would be one of your goals. So just making sure there are those specific calls to action. Like, do you want people to register for it online? Do you want people to call? How do you want people to um, move forward with that process? Um, So Um, ideally every page that somebody would be interacting with would have a call to action. You want everybody to be able to know what their next step would be, whatever page they're on, if they're ready to take that next step. Um, and there are, um, depending on what the page is about, you might have a different call to action. So obviously like, again, back to John's example, one page might specifically be talking about the Easter egg hunt. One might be talking about purchasing a Club Calvin pass. So you obviously aren't going to have all of those different calls to actions on every page. Um, that's going to get confusing and too much. Um, and we we typically like to keep calls to action under two. Um, I would say one if possible, just to make sure that everything is very clear and concise. Um, and it also depends on what those calls to actions are. But keeping that to two or less on one page will make the process a lot easier for whoever is interacting with your website. Um, and there are some exceptions to that. Um, that there might be more. One of those would be frequently asked questions. So, you know, obviously with that, you're talking about a lot of different processes or a lot of different things, depending on what people typically have questions about. So, you know, when I think of a frequently asked questions page, I typically, my mind goes to like a drop down. So like if you're talking about it that way and you drop down for more information, that specific drop down might have one call to action. And then the next question would have a call to action and so on. Um, And then obviously like a contact us page, Um, or a product or service list. Those might have just different ways you can reach out, different ways you can purchase or schedule. Um, But really just have your customers in mind when you're working through designs and content of a page and think about what is going to be the least confusing or, you know, what's the most straightforward? What's going to be the best 
option to get that customer to where you want them to be, which is purchasing, scheduling, moving forward with the call to action. What's going to get that accomplished the easiest and just the best for that customer? Yeah, use the phrase, uh, then what or now what, when you're kind of building this process out. Like, they're here, now what? They're now, mm-hmm. they're there, now what? So, you know, as you're building the steps, um, you know, taking them through the process and then build it one way like you think it's going to happen and then talk to some customers that are purchased and say, was this the best route for you to purchase this product or could I made it simpler? Or did you need more information that I didn't have that you had to dig around on another version of the site and then come back to where you were? You know, these are all conversations that you continue to have and continue to work on your website to make them better. Mm-hmm. I think that right there, John, is where we see like a lot of our clients struggle when they're building like when they're building a landing page for a product or a service or like signing up for a class or something like that, um, that they want to share as much information as possible um, with their potential customer to make the sale. Um, But what can happen sometimes is you give somebody too much information um, or you're linking out to all these different resources and you end up distracting the client so much or the customer so much that they don't end up moving forward, um, with the purchase or the reservation or whatever it is. Um, so if you do find that you need to like link out to a lot of different resources, make sure that they open in a new tab. I know it seems like a really like silly little step, but it makes sure that you don't take them away from that landing page where you ultimately want them to make a purchase decision. Um, or try to limit that information um, or uh, scale it down if possible. Um, but yeah, less is more for the most part. Like, um, And that's really hard because I think we, like you always kind of err on the side of like, well, I want to give them as much information as possible, like I said earlier. But like sometimes most of the time you're just overwhelming somebody with too much information. And mm-hmm. if they really need to go find more, they can go find more. But most people just need like the basics, the bullets, and then like the bullet points, and then they'll move forward and make their purchase. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I was helping a friend work on a resume and cover letter last night because um, she's wanting to apply for, she's a teacher and wanting to apply to different schools. Um, and we were working through it and she was reading her cover letter and she was like, she asked me, oh, should I include this? Because I feel like this is really important for people to know like why I'm searching or, or it was just another aspect. And her cover letter was wonderful, but it was already pretty lengthy. Um, and we were talking about it and I was like, no, you know, I think that that's a good opportunity. That's going to come up pretty naturally in conversation. So when you're talking to this person, you give them, I don't think that that particular aspect is going to be the deciding point on whether you get an interview or not. So I think at that point, that's an opportunity to talk about that in person with that during your interview. That's a really good talking point. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, what do people need to know right now? And what might be an opportunity for future communication? That's also why, like, when we build websites, like, we have, like, a two-vision, um, two-version revision cycle process. <laughs> My words are done. I don't <laughs> think they're ever going to come back. Um, but sometimes, sometimes clients come back after the first time and they want to add a whole bunch of information, but more likely... More often than not, they come back and say, oh, I actually kind of want to cut out some of this information. Um, Because then once you see all the text that you're expecting somebody to read, then you look at this and you go, oh, this is really overwhelming. I don't want to read it. And it's my company and it's my Mm -hmm. service. Um, So 
always, always know, like always look at it and say like, okay, what can I cut out? What is the fluff? Um, and then what do I need to keep that's going to either push them forward to the, to buying the product or service or, um, at least have them reach out to me for another question or a conversation or something like that. Mm -hmm. Agree. Agree. Okay. So that takes us into the final step here, which would be repurchase. So obviously um, we want to stay in contact with our customers or clients. uh, If it's, if it's a situation where there's opportunities for repurchase or future appointments or whatever it might be. Um, So again, to uh, define the repurchase stage. The final stage of the buying cycle is the repurchase of your product or, serv- or service. This is where you manage your relationship with the customers. So you want to provide opportunities through your website to repurchase and you want to provide opportunities to continue to interact with your brand, with your services, with your products. Um, in e-commerce specifically, one way to do this is through subscriptions. So um, you're creating, and you can do this. Um, I know we've done this, or we've talked about doing this for people who generate donations as well. So instead of it being like a one-time donation, you are offering up the ability to have a recurring donation or like a subscription-based donation. And again, this can be the same for a product where you are um, a lot of like skincare or products like that that you run out of, but you use every day and you're going to run out of on a monthly basis, you can sign up at maybe a small discount if you want to just sign up for the subscription and get it shipped to you every month. Um, This one makes it seem really seamless and easy in the customer's eyes. And so they're really interested in doing this because they're like, oh, I won't have to mess with this. I can just go ahead and set it up. And two, it keeps you having a flow of income and you have these customers that are continuing to purchase from you um, without, you're not going to lose them because they're already there. They're not going to forget to come back and do it again. They've already signed up. Um, So that's a really good way to communicate that repurchase from your customer base. Another way you can think of repurchase, like going back to um, John's example of like an event at Youngsters Dairy. Um, so like say you're t- you're letting them know about the um, Easter egg hunt and there's a part of the Easter egg hunt that needs to have an RSVP and you can have them RSVP through the site. Um, after they complete that RSVP, um, you could either have a checkbox in that form that says, do you want to get notified about... Um, upcoming events at Young's moving forward, which then you've just signed them up for um, an email list, or you can have it redirect after they successfully RSVP to here are other events that are happening at Young's as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't always have to be like an actual product or service that you're selling. It can be, you know, like events-based as well, where you're just continuing the opportunity for them to engage with your brand. Yeah. This is the part of all the steps that we've gone through. This is the part that probably gets the least amount of attention because you Mm -hmm. Most business owners will stop at the purchase part. Like, yes, got it, win. But the mm-hmm. the repurchase part, depending on what you're doing, uh, you know, you've already convinced these people that they like you. Um, so keep them around. You know, spend a little bit of time creating a a drip campaign via email or a subscription thing, like Ellie was talking about. Any way that you can get these people who are already engaged with your business. You know, that's the adage of it's easier to keep an existing client than get a new one. It's cheaper, a lot cheaper. So the, 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 the more you can spend on this effort will be, um, there's, there's a business term for it, but I didn't go to business school. I went to 
teach kids how to read school, but it's basically like we've already spent the money. It's, we, we think of it in terms of um, at the farm, we think of it in terms of like October, like the difference between a uh, $50,000 day and an $80,000 day is just the amount of people that we can put through the building. Like we're not spending any extra time on labor because the people, the people that are going to dip ice cream are already there. All the stuff's already out. So like, it's just additional income. Like I said, there's a term for it, but I'm not a smart business person. So I don't know what that term is, but it's basically, you know, we're obviously we're spending extra in food costs because we're dipping more ice cream or flipping more burgers and making more cheese curds. But like, it's just added revenue with out as much cost because everyone's already there. So these customers are already on your website buying something, give them incentive to buy something else or continue to buy something from you because mm-hmm. uh, they already like you. Yeah. And so we talked about, you know, Ellen, you mentioned using email and everything to do so to keep people coming back to your website or to keep people learning about your new products, your new brand services, upcoming events, whatever it might be. Well, we talked about utilizing when we're talking about your website, we mentioned blogging as a way to um, kind of fulfill the awareness and consideration steps. But I would also even put that in the repurchase step um, just because you can use that as a way for people to continue interacting with your brand. You can use those uh, blog pieces to put in your emails that you're reaching out to your customers that have purchased so that they can come back and learn more about maybe a different topic, a different, a new product that you have, um, a, an event, whatever it might be. Um, it's just more ways to get people onto your website and interacting with your brand. Yeah. Like, um, a good example I could think of is like, um, like if you sell a widget through your website for something, um, you know, after they complete that purchase, maybe you could redirect them to a blog about how to like install that, um, like little, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let me think. Hold on. Okay, wait, here's a good one. Okay, so going back to our client that they do um, cleaning and sealing and then like epoxy floors. So if you have somebody that they fill out a form for cleaning and sealing for their driveway, um, then after they fill out the form for request a quote, you could redirect them to a blog post. What? Ellie's body made a noise. (laughs) My throat just did the weird, like when you drink water and it makes like that gurgly noise. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry to everybody who heard that. (laughs) Um, But after they fill out the form about cleaning and sealing their concrete, um, you could have it redirect to a blog post about um, the benefits of um, adding an epoxy coating to your concrete after you clean and seal. Um, So it's just continuing you know, the example, like what John was saying of continuing, um, to build on that lead. And then what Ellie was saying of like, you can use a blog to help that repurchasing process as well. That's where I was going with it. For sure. Well said. Thanks. Very well said. Uh, any other thoughts on repurchase? I mean, no, I think we repurchased it all. Yeah. All right. Well, a lot of different ways that you can utilize your website and make all of your customers happy, hopefully. Um, And sidebar, we can help with that if you need some help on your website. Is that what we do? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) When we feel like it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. When we want to be helpful, we can be. We just put that on our website. Yeah. If you put us in the right mood, we can probably be helpful. We'll be nice to you and we'll be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it has to go in that order. Yes. 
Indeed. All right. Well, I think it's that time, John. What's grinding your gears? Oh, boy. Today's topic, kids, is loyalty. There's no loyalty in dim streets. I got some... (laughs) I got some quotes for you from some uh, some favorite artors, some favorite poets. Tell me when your loyalty is coming from the heart. Famous poet laureate Kendrick Lamar. My whole thing is loyalty. Loyalty over royalty. Word is bond. Fetty Wap. Fetty. <laughs> loyalty is a to- – this is an actual – I mean, both of those are real quotes – from songs, but this actually is a, a good one. So loyalty is a 24-hour proposition, 24-7. It's not a part-time job. That was by Jonathan Moyo, who I don't know who that is, but I like that one. I like the other two because it was funny. Because I'm. What was your first one again? What if he's a bad person? Tell, he could be. Uh, tell me when your loyalty is coming from the heart. Isn't there, can, isn't there another Kendrick Lamar one that's like, loyalty got loyalty inside my DNA? Isn't that one? That's or is it not loyalty? There, oh, okay. That, I, I just Googled rap lyrics with lo- – I'm going to break the, f- the fourth wall. I just Googled rap lyrics with loyalty in them. Yeah. That particular song had a lot of phrases that I would never, ever use, A, yeah. out loud, but B, in a podcast that has my recorded voice. But okay. that was one line that I could pull directly from, not have to pull like certain words out and be able to use it. I feel yeah. Okay. So I, I chose – I think I chose wisely. You did, yeah. So, so loyalty. So the, the point – the point is, is is loyalty, especially when it comes to business relationships. So sometimes, sometimes uh, there, <laughs> there needs to be a level of trust and, and reliability when you're working with someone else. So if you tell them that you're going to do something or you tell them, hey, I want to work with you, uh, don't, don't go behind someone's back and do things that would make the other company feel like that's not someone I'd want to work with or recommend kindly uh, out and about around your community. Yeah. Uh, I won't give any specific examples. I don't really have any per se. I'm just thinking loyalty is <laughs> loyalty is important these days. Um, you know, we think about our, our business relationships that we have with other marketing firms or just other, other companies, you know, loyalty when it comes to other business relationships is how can we benefit each other? <laughs> Ellen, you're not looking. <laughs> I've I've been holding this for ten seconds now. Neither one of you have been looking. <laughs> I, no, I was looking. I was just trying to get out a sentence. I was trying to keep my face together, actually, and I was failing. You know, so it's a, it's a it's a mutual mutual benefit to to be loyal to each other. Like if you if you set off on a on a on a path that we are going to work together, we are going to do th- good things together. You have to stay in communication. You have to be loyal. If, if uh, for some reason this mutual benefit uh, relationship that you have is no longer working out, then you can have a conversation about it. But the longer that you can have that relationship, the more you can withstand tiny bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if uh, you're just getting off on this this loyalty partnership with another another organization, and there's an enormous bump in the road before you even get started on being able to collaborate together, Red that flag. makes that makes working together very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I won't give any specific examples because I don't have any to fish around with, but I will say that loyalty is important when it comes to business relationships, whether it's business to business, whether it's business to client. Uh, I think it's a big, important thing for you to do. So that's what's grinding my gears this week. I like it. I like it. And you know, there's another word that kind of goes with this and I can't think of the word. It starts with a C, I think. Well, there's a lot of words that come up when you say well, starts with words. 
See, I'm. It's an appropriate cookie? word. Oh, and okay. no, and I'm going to explain the situation here, and you can okay. tell me what word fits. Okay. So, like, I think I'm going to do this via example. So, again, like, if us being like a, a website design company or a digital marketing agency, like I never feel I'm very confident in what we can provide. I'm confident in my team. And I like, I love our clients a lot. And I think that they were able to help a lot of people. We're ready to help people when they're ready. I don't see a need when I'm going out and trying to get clients to poach clients from other agencies that do things similar to us. Um, I don't think that it's necessary and I don't think that it's good business practice at all. And it's definitely just not moral, I guess. Like, is that the right word to use here? Like, I just, I think it's wrong on so many levels and I also just don't see a need in it. Um, I would, I would never do that. Now, if somebody, which this happens a lot, somebody will come to us and they'll say like, and not even being specific, they just say like, hey, my, my current agency isn't doing this, this and this for me, or I'm not able to contact them. We want to like, we are ready to move on from them. Can you help me accomplish this, this and this? That is a little bit different because that, that they have a problem, they need it solved and we're ready to help them solve that. But like, I'm never going to go out and just explicitly poach a client from somebody else for the sake of doing so for the sake of getting them to be my client when they're not even they don't even have any you know like complaints or whatever it might be about their current agency um it, it's kind of one of those situations where if somebody were to come up to me and talk to me about digital marketing i might see an opportunity there at first like oh they are a business owner and they need help with their digital marketing but we're just kind of having a conversation and i know that they're working with somebody that's in our industry and that like you know, we actually might even have a relationship with, or we know. Um, my first thought is not to be like, oh, here's what I could actually do for you. Um, it's going to be, oh, well, we can have this conversation and I can give you tips. Like I could give you suggestions. I'm always open to having those conversations. Um, and then you can take that to your agency and say, hey, like I learned about um, running Facebook ads or running Google ads. Like, is this something that you guys could provide for me? And they can work with their agency on doing that. Again, I just, I think that that's, I, it sort of fits in with this like loyalty thing, but also just being like good humans in our industry. Yeah. When, I mean, when you're in, when you're, when you, when you interact with people from another agency, like it's, it's weird to come across and try to poach clients from that. Like if, you know, we, we're dealing with uh, a client in another state that is dealing with a large multi-state agency on, on digital ads. I don't have, I wouldn't say I don't have bad feelings about taking that business from them because I know that we could do a better job from them. Yeah. But we're also okay with saying, we know we can do a better job when you're ready to have that conversation about us doing a better job. You call us. I'm not going to be pushy about it. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm going to say the opportunity is there. But if if I if let's say our uh, relationship, let's use Shiftology as our uh, as a as a uh, we uh, we've done a lot of websites through them. Um, one of the more recent websites is a um, tractor supply crop equipment type of company. They've got six or so locations, I think. Um, they were doing a lot of work. They we built the website, but they were doing a lot of other work through. Uh, Shiftology, a lot of you know Facebook com- content, blogging content, stuff like that. Well, that contract ended and they didn't renew it. So when I reached out to their owner, we were talking about something else, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we stopped doing all that through them, and you know we might pick it up." I was like, "If at any point you want to start that back up, like we could, we do that stuff." But like I would, 
like want to have that collaboration effort between uh, you know them us and you to say are we a good fit or is that something you want to pick up back over there like i wouldn't mm-hmm. ever deliberately step on someone's toes especially when i have a, an actual like i know this person i see this person often cuz yeah. that to me that would make me feel really shady shady to like just make eye contact with people that i know that i'm trying to betray behind yeah. the scenes yeah absolutely did you guys yeah, ever figure out another... the the c word i was thinking of though no uh, no cuz you no. didn't give us a clear scenario of like what your what? See if you can. It's gonna it. bother me. I don't know if I can. Okay. Four letters. I'll keep thinking. Um, <laughs> Runt. Um, I think so. Another kind of good example about that is we were Ellie and I had a meeting with a client a few weeks ago about some updates that they wanted to make to their website, um, and we I know that they had a previous relationship with another one of our marketing company partners. Um, in the past to redo like their brand. Um, but I wasn't sure like if they were still working with them or not. Um, Cause it's been multiple years since they redid that brand. Um, and one of the things they wanted to discuss with Ellie and I is um, adding a blog to their website. And so Ellie and I talked about before, okay, you know, when we get to that part of the conversation, let's be sure to bring up the fact that we offer those services. Um, throughout the conversation, they bring up, you know, yes, we'd like to do this blog. And then before I have the chance to say anything, they say, we're working with so-and-so marketing company to write this content um, for us. And so in that moment, I said, oh, that's awesome. They do a really great job at writing content and creating search-friendly um, blog blog posts for their clients. Um, are you working with the same account manager, so-and-so? And the client said, yes. And so I said, okay, great. If they have any questions about formatting or if they want to send the requests straight to us through support, they already have our email. So just let them know that we'll be a resource to them however we can. I don't feel the need in that moment at all to bring up the fact that Shadow Design also does blogs. Right. Because that's Like we're not trying to take business. Yeah. Well, and like- And ruin relationships. I think we've had quite a few- companies try to poach business from us Mm -hmm. or employees and I don't think they've ever been successful which is so funny um anyway but I think it goes to show that you know there are plenty of companies out there especially small businesses in the Springfield Columbus Dayton Cincinnati area um that don't have a digital marketing partner yet or don't have a marketing partner in general. Um, So I don't know. I think if you feel the need to go after somebody that already has a digital marketing partner, that that digital marketing agency is doing a good job, um, then like you're not very good at your job. (laughs) Yeah. I think I've told you guys the story, but one of the first networking events I did was when I was in the uh, Gehanna chamber when, when I lived over there. So like there's a room of like 50 business owners This is the first event I've ever done. You know me. I really love just standing in front of a room and talking to strangers. It's like peak, peak John favorite things to do. So literally in the whole chamber at the time, there were two digital, well, website designers because at the time I was just doing website design. Uh, And of course we were right next to each other in, in the room. So like, like I was getting set up and I kind of joked with him like, oh yeah, we're going to be fighting for business. And he like literally said like, there's so many there's so many fish in the sea. Like there's so many possible businesses out there that you could, you could pick up. Like we're not 
like competition technically, but we're not competition because there's so many people that you can go out and help. So like it, you don't have to feel like I need to pick up every single client. And like, because one, that's not even going to be sustainable. It's, it's we could sustain- pick up, we could pick up every client, and then we would fail them all because we yeah. just simply cannot do that many things. Yeah, to say that you're growing like year over year, like thirty or fifty or eighty percent, like that's not sustainable to your or business. Like hiring model. like five or six people within like six months, like yeah, it's just no, not sustainable. You can't so like people in the end, your small business, you you hold up that pace, and you can't you can't get quality people to work for you and do this work. You're just going to end up losing those clients and really irritating a large swath of the community that you've tried to make a, a, a stakehold in. Mm-hmm. So really, it's better for me. Like if you if you want to be if, if you want to be bad at business, that's good news for us because that's why our clients don't typically leave us because we do what we say we're going to do. Uh, we don't overcharge. Uh, we take clients on when we can sustain them, and then we do the right things, as far as I'm aware. Unless you guys are doing shady stuff behind the scenes that I'm not aware of. And then, in case I'm sorry about that, clients. Don't think so. I (laughs) don't have the capacity to do shady things. I am what – I think I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. But my parents used to call me the midnight confessor when I was a child. Mm -hmm. If I did anything wrong, (laughs) I would wake them up at like midnight and be like, this is what I did. I'm a failure. Um, So, in conclusion, I can't do bad things because then I feel bad and then I cry. <laughs> so it's really funny, the midnight confessor. Love it. Yeah, it's well, great. that was a really good uh, gear grinding session. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I was just well, watching. I think I need to discuss with you guys yeah. before well. or after we're done recording this episode. <laughs> Although I was just Lola trying to think. has been sitting under my chair this whole time. Hi, Lola. Lola. Have you guys seen the uh, Ewan McGregor movie, Big Fish? No, but I love him, so I should watch it. It's You've, you've you really never seen it? I've never no. seen it. Oh, it's so sweet. I was just watching it the other day. Cause it's, it's, it's so, it's such a sweet movie. It's about a, it's like a dad that tells a lot of tall tales and him and him and his son have like a awkward relationship. Oh, my girl's in it. Who's your, which one's your girl? Who's your Helena girl? Bon- Bonham Carter. I love her. Oh, yeah. oh I love yeah, her. She's in it. I she, think she's great. I like great. her character in it. Okay, I'll have to watch that. Where can I watch it? Probably everywhere. This actually, yeah, this looks good. Looks like I can watch it on YouTube TV. Oh, it's got Jessica Lange in it, too. Yeah, it's got oh, a lot she's of... great. got a lot of uh, Danny DeVito's in it for a hot minute. <laughs> There's a movie that Danny DeVito is in. I don't know what it is. Twins? No. <laughs> uh, Matilda? She... No. Matilda. <laughs> Everyone start listening to your Danny DeVito movie. We should stop recording at some point. Okay, bye, Guys, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ope, Here's a Little Marketing for You, a podcast written and produced by Shout It Out Design. Our theme song is Kill the Sun by the Cincinnati-based band Motherfolk. Tune in weekly for new episodes.